This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between the student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media's podcasts and other student work at garnetmedia.org. Hey everybody, welcome to The Squawk, episode three. Here we are. Here we are, and uh, we have a really special episode for you guys today. You would not believe who's made it on the Squawk's biggest fan and Squawk's second biggest fan. Ian. Ian, Ian <laughs> Grenier, and Audrey Ellsbury. How are you guys doing? Ian, but We're doing really well. Yeah, How are you great. guys doing? Good. You guys might have remembered our, our conversation about Ian Grenier last uh, episode. He finally made it on, and uh, we, we got some good stuff today we'll talk about. Yeah, so Michael's kind of jam packed. We've got two guests. We've got like three movies slash TV shows to talk about. We'll hit some uh, some lifestyle coverage as always. Um, it's actually pretty big that uh, Audrey's on because she actually came up with the name, the Squawk. Yeah, here's remember. our formal credit. Don't get any creds for that, but it's alright. Well, you just got creds, so yeah, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, she's also a not just an honorary member of the Squawk family. Is a lifestyle, just like Ian. Yeah, a lifestyle editor. So lifestyle team. Yeah. Believe it or not. Opinion editors. Co-opinion editors. Co-opinion editors. The long lost half has finally shown up. Rip Amelia. (laughs) Yeah, shout out to Amelia. She says she hates the squawk. She does. No, I'm just kidding. It's because we (laughs) trashed on Tick Tick Boom last week. Yeah. She said she'll only come on if we get to talk about Len Manuel. Yeah, Hammy. Yeah. Audrey, do you want to sing some Hamilton for us? You yeah, just were actually, uh, actually singing some before we started here. All right, Stephen, what what coverage did you want to hit? Let's 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 yeah. hit the newsletter for Friday. All right, big 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 stuff going on this week. Really quickly, I feel like I just have to mention the uh, Rainbow Kitten Surprise concert we went to. Um, all three, Ian, Audrey, and I were all there. Uh, totally awesome show. Um, I didn't realize it was a thing for bands to do a, a fake encore like that. Audrey explained that to me afterwards. And then I saw their set list after that has an encore section. What's the, what's the deal with that? Well, my experience with an encore is I went to go see the B-52s of Love Shack and Rock Lobster yeah. when I was in eighth grade. Fun fact about Audrey is she's a really big B-52s yeah, fan. Love Rock Lobster is a classic, but um, they made us do an encore. And I was so tired, and it was like midnight, way past my bedtime. Um, so I have a negative connotation with bands uh, putting an encore in. Um, I just feel like it's a little silly. Um, but I did like when Rainbow Kitten Surprise did it because everyone wanted to hear the two songs that they left for last, which were Cocaine Jesus and Freefall. Mm-hmm. So I was I was there to clap for them to come back. I didn't mind that as much. Yeah, they were they were great for for. Uh, a show I was not expecting such an incredible like light show too. Yeah, they like really they, put it on. Yeah, the the light works was like a a show of its own aside from the music. But um, besides that, we have we have uh, a birdcage story that just came out. Um, definitely check that out. That's a really cool annual thing that USC puts on. Big stuff this year. Um, one of our arts writers, Danielle, wrote that. Um, Wait, and what's Birdcage? Birdcage is a, it's an annual um, sort of drag. It, I, it's it's not 
by students, but it's for students. And it's it's really cool. It's like um, kind of an alternating celebrity uh, uh, pheromone from RuPaul. Audrey's mouth just dropped. I'm a big fan of pheromone. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. So cool stuff. And, and she'll be in Russell, I'm pretty sure. So cool coverage. Go, ahead, go read the piece. It's a, a preview. So the event is actually... Uh, Tonight, tonight, as of recording. So, yeah. yeah, tonight. Sorry about that. By but, the time you hear this, it yeah. will have happened. Yeah. But go read the coverage piece because yeah. either way, it's going to be a cool story. But uh, some also some very big news uh, the Darius Rucker concert. I was just, uh, I wrote up a little brief by that yesterday. That was some breaking, breaking arts news. Um, uh, Darius Rucker promised us, and he came through on his promise. And he's having a, a free show for all USC students. I requested my tickets. Mm-hmm. Same. I'm excited. Absolutely. As I soon as the email came actually, in. Yeah. I don't oh, know. I'm going to be able to go, but. That's a shame. It is a shame. I, uh, I'm also reaching out, hoping we can work out some sort of press coverage, something like that. We'll see. Stay tuned for Daily Game Card coverage always. Um, I don't know. Is it wrong of me to say, like, I, I don't really listen to Darius Drucker? Yes. Uh, no, that's not wrong of you because I listen to Hootie and the Blowfish, but not Darius Rucker solo. Okay. You guys I, don't know Wagon Wheel? I, I do I mean, I know Wagon everyone Wheel. Everyone knows Wagon Wheel. I know that song. That's like, all you need to know. <laughs> I guess I looked up Hootie and the Blowfish, um, and it's it's like so perfectly like that 90s, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Good, what yeah. It's like Dave Matthews band. Yeah. It's like all yeah. those... I, I really love Hootie and the Blowfish. I have a ton of their songs like in my Spotify playlist, but like solo Darius Rucker just like it's not quite like modern country, but like it veers a lot closer to that. Why so don't not... they bring the whole band back together? Honestly they should. It's yeah. a, especially... legend has it there's beef in the band. Oh really? no, I'm just kidding. I just oh. that's totally false information. Wow. Bad Do you guys Rumors being spread on the squawk today. <laughs> <laughs> this is a gossip podcast. Yeah. Then we really need to get Caleb on. Yeah. <laughs> we need to get Darius Rucker on. Oh, that would be a big get. That would be a huge get. He'd probably come on. Yeah. He's, he's probably very busy, I'm sure. Yeah, Legend <laughs> has it. He listens to the squad. And he's yeah. a friend of the pod. Yeah. yeah. He's a friend of the pod. No. Yeah. He's he's honestly, anything on USC, he's automatically friend of. Mm-hmm. I think he gets free admission to any USC event. He's yeah. just walking in any class. Yeah. Know. With, um, this is a good segue into some Board of Trustees stuff. Legend has it. He's going to be the uh, provost for the Board of Trustees. Darius <laughs> <laughs> Rucker, like. They actually, when um, the new, uh, like, university board president elect, what's his name? Amorides. The Amorides. new president. Amorides. Yeah. yeah. When he Shout like, out Greek people. <laughs> yeah, I'm so good at remembering what's going on with the school. <laughs> but when he goes up to like have his introductory speech or whatever, he's gonna like pull off like a plastic like Mission Impossible mask and reveal himself to he's gonna Darius sing, Rucker. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, he's gonna start singing "Let Her Cry." Let Her Cry. I think Darius Rucker would be the least problematic member of the USC administration by far. Yeah, tell us about what's going on. That is on a low bar, there. though. Yeah, it's <laughs> incredibly low, low bar. bar. Incredibly low bar. Tell us about the opinion content. Yeah, we've got some pretty cool stuff coming out this week. Some explosive, explosive quotes from some very powerful South Carolina politicians. I won't spoil it, but stay tuned to the opinion section. But, you know, we the Board of Trustees is meeting tomorrow to appoint a new provost. It will have already happened by the time this comes That's out. True. It's happening so, on Thursday, April 14th. As you're listening to this, the Board of Trustees has already met to appoint a new provost. Appointed Darius Rucker. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats, Darius Rucker. 
But yeah, so the provost is definitely one of the most important people in the school, runs the kind of academic side of the school, so it's pretty pretty big news, and we're all excited to see who exactly they're going to pick, how that's all going to go down. We've already had some content about the three um, people that were in the running for the provost position. Mm-hmm. Um, our beat writer, Julia, had an awesome column about that, and she made a little prediction um, of who she thinks is the most fit for the job, but I guess we're just going to have to see who they pick and, and why. Yeah, shout out to Julia. You're going to get some great writing from her this week, so very yeah. excited for that. She is on it. Yeah, very exciting stuff. Stay tuned. But you will also, by the time this comes out, be able to see our coverage of the parade that's going on later today. That's oh, big yeah. for us right now. Um, all of uh, it will be Main Street will be closed off for, so. for our, our, our Natty Champs parade. Yeah, just for some context, the Darius Rucker concert, if you live under a rock or if you, you listen to this and you don't go to USC for some reason. Our uh, women's national team Fans won. all across the country, yeah. you know? <laughs> Or if you didn't listen to our last episode. Or if you didn't listen to our last episode, our women's team won the Natty, and Darius Rucker, like, basically, he tweeted out that he would do a free concert on the Horseshoe, which mm. that concert's not happening on the Horseshoe. I don't think it's going to be in... It's going to be in Colonial Life. Right he hasn't right? been to USC in, like, 20 years, so <laughs> yeah. he doesn't actually know what the Horseshoe looks like. Also, maybe this is a, a, a controversial thing to say on the podcast, but... Like, obviously, I was reading his tweets, and was he, like, drunk tweeting? Like, the grammar of those tweets is, like... Like, there's one tweet where it's, like, every word has, like, six letters in between. Like, (laughs) it's like he's randomly slapping a keyboard to, like, write the message. He's a singer. He's not a writer. He was just understandably thrilled for the Women's National Champion. He was so overcome with joy and euphoria that he couldn't get his thoughts out straight. He was running through the fountain trying to type out a tweet on his phone. (laughs) You know, that's how it goes. Yeah. It's honestly yeah. impressive he tweeted anything at all. Excited for the parade. That'll be great. I mean, I've I think it's it's ending at the state house, right? So I'd say a speech from Aaliyah Boston at the state house is probably the most eloquent and the most important thing that has ever happened at the South Carolina State House. You know, probably a highlight of that building's existence, I'd say. So Yeah, she needs a statue there. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully you can replace some of the ones in that in that garden with Aaliyah Boston and Don Staley. Hopefully whoever introduces her gets her name right. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> that was so bad on the during the ceremony. Did you, did I, I you guys watch live? No, I, I, I missed that. Uh, yeah. When they were presenting the tri- like her with the final four MVP, they like messed up her name and called her name of one of the UConn players. Oh no! Yeah, and the reporter that was doing it like apologized like four times wow. on air, and Aaliyah just had like the the face she was just giving her like the death stare. It was so funny. I was like. That's that that is a tough blunder to recover from. That's like a part two of was it the Oscars when the person said the wrong movie and then they all came up and like got yeah the yeah that's a theme on our podcast actually Oscar blunders yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's basically all we talked about in the first yeah. episode you know is it it Moonlight mm. Will Smith you, I think you have that wrong actually it's the uh, Miss America. Where the wrong person's name but was. I think it happened it, it at the, the Oscars, Oscars too, too. Definitely. but also Steve Harvey did drop the ball yeah, on that. Yeah. 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 Well, the Oscars is when they said Moonlight, or they said La La Land won, but Moonlight right. actually won. But, like, that was even worse, because, like, at least with the Aaliyah Boston thing, they're already handing her the trophy, like, and she was, you know, the right person. But, like, for the Oscars thing, they had the whole La La Land cast get up on stage and give their speech, and they're like, oh, shit, uh, you actually didn't win uh, Moonlight won. And the guy who, like, was the producer on La La Land was the one that corrected them. Wow. Steve Harvey's coming on the podcast next time we to talk about this. Yeah. And Will Smith banned for 10 years from the uh, Oscars. 
I feel like that's a very mild, like, what's, what's the punishment there? That also relies on him, like, being able to be, like, nominated for an Oscar in the next 10 years exactly. in the first place, right? You know, yeah. I've gone 20 years without going to the Oscars, and I've managed to pull it together all right. So I think Will Smith will probably be able to, to, to recover from that one. His career's cracked open now, guys. <laughs> you guys don't know this, but potential Will Smith, King Richard himself has. There was, like, I saw a tweet that was like, at least they didn't ban Jada for 10 years. And they were like, yeah, well, she's not going in the next 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she'll go with that guy she had an affair with. August? David yeah. was an entanglement, Stephen. Yeah. Excuse me. Is he going to write, like, a, a Oscar-winning song or something yeah. for a movie? About his love for Jada. Yeah. With Darius Rucker. He's going to be involved in the next <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda project somehow, I bet. Right. She's going to go with Lin. Lin's going to be the next entanglement. <laughs> Has Lin won an Oscar? He's no. Won. He's won an Emmy, a Grammy, and a Tony. So Give the man his EGOT. Yeah. Right, let's keep it that way. The man's ego is big enough, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't need to put the O in his ego. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just That's a little a preview, guys. We are <laughs> planning on having Lynn on in the next couple of episodes. That's after... Steve Harvey, though. So. And like we said in the first episode, he will be taking his shirt off. Yeah. Um, yeah. So look forward to it. You that. guys won't see it, but we'll get to see it. See, we're already dropping. Format. We already have inside jokes, Stephen. That's how fully formed this podcast <laughs> yeah. is from the start. All three of our listeners. All three our, of our listeners. My little sister, Kayla. And Michael yeah. and his family. Oh, yeah. They're, Michael's family. Shout out to Michael's yeah. brother for, uh, you know, echoing the calls yeah. to have yeah. me on the podcast. Aiden, really if you want to come it. on at some point. Yeah. Maybe we can work that out. Maybe you and your brother can come on together. If you're listening to the Squawk now um, and you have any thoughts, tweet uh, at Ian Grenier, I-A-N-G-R-E-N-I-E-R. Wow, wow. got it right. I'm kind of impressed. Took a, took a one, risk to try to spell And a that. one at the end of that. And uh, Take off your shirt at Lin-Manuel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take off your shirt, Lin-Manuel. Yeah. Tweet that at Ian, okay? And that's how we'll know you're, you're a fan. Um we're actually going to have put up this weekend um, when you're listening to this, probably on Sunday, I think, um, a list of like mailbag things that we want to talk about because our last episode of the semester we're going to have on our uh, our friend who helped us create this, Michael. Special end of the year. Um, we'll have a special end of the year thing with him where we answer listener questions. Yeah. So really, that's just you, Aiden Sauls. Yeah. Whatever you're t- <laughs> thinking right now, please send it in. Yeah, so we'll we'll send out a tweet and an Instagram post so that people can reply to that with questions, and we'll try to answer as many of them as we can. If there's a lot, but there probably won't be. But we'll see. You know, I'll, I'll I think... send in a thousand myself. Exactly. Yeah. I'm counting on the rest of the Daily Gamecock staff to to really boost that, but we'll see. It should be fun. So look forward to that in the upcoming weeks. Yeah. Well, I think the next thing we have to talk about is what are you watching right now, Noah? Uh, right now. I watched the first episode of Tokyo Vice. Um, we're just diving right into the pop culture. Uh, I watched Ambulance, the new Michael yeah. Bay movie. Uh, this is actually kind of content-related because I have a review of it coming out. Oh, yeah, big news. On Friday. A legendary Noah Trainer reviews. Yes. NoahTrainer.com. Do you ever read Roger Eber? Yeah, I mean, I don't like... He's dead now. So yeah, like, but <laughs> he still has his website. Yeah, I read his old stuff. Um, I would work for Roger Eber. I don't think I could write those good reviews. Yeah. That's so good. He he really is like the master of saying something profound in a digestible way. Yeah. Like he's just so good at that. Do you guys know? 
No. He's like one of the most famous like film reviewers of all time. He passed away, but he has a website now. Wait, I thought that was Noah Trainer. Yeah, I rely <laughs> yeah, fully I on Noah's well, content. That's what I was saying. NoahTrainer.com is now, but oh, Robert okay. Ebert. Yeah. Passing Roger, the torch. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Roger, Ebert. Roger Ebert passed the torch to me. Yeah. He said, this yeah. nine-year-old kid right on his deathbed, he's like, that nine-year-old kid, Noah Trainer. he's like, he's my successor. Start checking his shit out. <laughs> You're literally back, really living up to his expectations. Yeah, back when I only watched uh, Star Wars, you know, he, he still saw what the What else you need to watch, really? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Right, Last Jedi, greatest movie of all time. Everybody loves it. Not controversial at all. Do you have any uh, favorite like movie reviews you've written that you feel like didn't get enough recognition? Uh, the licorice pizza one. That one got a lot of recognition. Not did that it? One. Yeah. What? That's by probably, who? By you? I don't know. By like, <laughs> like thirty click readers. Oh, hitting the big numbers there. Yeah. Now. yeah. Thirty click. I'm readers. just saying. Like I wrote. I I've written a lot of reviews as well. I wrote a review on How to with John Wilson, the TV show. I wrote a review on. Um, the Sound of Metal, which is a great movie. Yeah, those guys. I don't think a movie. single person clicked on either of those besides my friend Greg. Yeah, so. I did. I did one of the Expanse, an excellent sci-fi TV show, and apparently no one was interested oh, yeah. in my thoughts in the Expanse. Tell us, tell <laughs> us your thoughts. Oh, I think it's one of the best TV shows ever. What, I thought you liked the books. Books are even better. Well, The Wire is great. The Wire hardly counts. Oh, I mean, it's just so excellent. I have some news for you, Ian. Oh, oh, yeah? The director of The Wire came and spoke to my history class. That's very cool. And then we had to shelter shelter for the tornado, and he sheltered with us. And so we got to, you know, corner him and ask him some questions. He was really funny, actually. Um, I'm jealous. Yeah, Yeah, he's a cool guy. Um, I was going to say, though, the opinion section could technically count as just entirely reviews on just you know, everything. We're reviewing the school. Yeah, reviewing you know? the school. Reviewing the state house. Yeah. The, Not the just daily movies. Yelp Gamecock. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, tell us more about the wire guy. So what what's the history class? What what was the guy's name? Um well my history class is the history of the civil rights movement, which is a great class. I totally recommend it. Um but Who's professor. Her name is Patricia Sullivan. Um and great professor. Love her. And so we watched his movie that was called Boycott, and it was a biopic about um, Martin Luther King in the 1960s and going through the Montgomery, Alabama bus boycotts um, and all of that stuff. Um, it was a great movie, actually. He did a really good job of weaving in a lot of, like, artistic shots and, um, you know, poetic license into what could be a very, you know, uh, historical, only historical thing but he made it really really cool really interesting to watch for the reference his name is clark johnson his name is in fact yes clark johnson um and he was super you know personable he you know was cracking jokes i walked into the classroom a little late and he like met me at the door and was like you're right on time but i had no idea who he was so i like gave him a weird look like who is this dude in my class (laughs) and then he like sat in the front of the room and i was like oh shit (laughs) yeah he's a he's a big Big deal. What Audrey's not mentioning here is one of my favorite actors, Jeffrey Wright, plays MLK in this movie too. Who is also in the Batman? Yeah, he, he is. Yeah. More importantly, he played. Yeah, he played <laughs> the, the detective in the Batman. Jeffrey Wright's good in everything. He's he's got to be one of the best actors out there. Have you seen Westworld? No, I've not. He's he, he's phenomenal in Westworld. It's the kind of role where it's like hard to imagine him as anything else. I want to watch Westworld, but like. It's one of those shows where everybody's like, oh, but it gets bad after the first season, so I like, just don't even Yeah, maybe that's valid. Again. I don't know. One of my family friends acts in Westworld. Oh, my gosh, yeah. That's very cool. Please tell us, tell us the whole story there. That is such an interesting story. So um, 
it's kind of a long story of how he knows my family, but long story short, Long he... story short, Audrey's just kind of a celebrity and knows a ton of... This is like her sixth celebrity story she'll tell. N- no, but my parents know a lot of famous people by chance, but... Um, it's a Connecticut thing. That's why yeah, Noah knows her. Noah and I know yeah. everyone. Actually, good point, Stephen. We actually have a Connecticut majority on this pod right now. Wow. We do. Oh, that's the first power. time that's ever happened so, in the U.S. history. I think that, yeah. Even in Connecticut. People are from New York. They don't care that they're <laughs> exactly. in Connecticut. And where I'm from, everybody's from Massachusetts. So. Oh, true, true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Steve Ogg um, is a friend of my family, and I babysat for his son um, many a time. And he actually goes by OGG by his friends, because that's his last name. Um, so we call him OGG. And he's just as scary in person as he is on the show. But he's a nice guy. Just... No and I talk about this a little bit. S- Steve Ogg is kind of like um, Pants Man. You know, he's Joey like, Pants? Yeah, he's yeah. like one of the B-list celebrities that you would, like, dive and recognize any time. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. He just shows up at a bunch of stuff. He's never the star, but you, every time he shows up, it's like, yeah. oh, it's that guy. That guy. He's always yeah. the disheveled guy yeah, who just has, for like, reference. chaos in his eyes. Yeah, chaos. Grand Theft Auto guy. That guy. That guy. Walking Dead. Westworld. Mm. Biggest roles. He's in a, I saw him in a commercial the other day. Really? He's got a nice mustache. Mm. Jealous. <laughs> But so, what is it like uh, interacting with him? Obviously, you don't have to spill like tea or anything. But no, I will keep his you know family situation you know private. But he is a cool kid, or he has a cool kid. His name is Bodie Og. Um, I was his camp counselor, and you know, Steve is he looks the same. Always his hair looks like he walked out of a tornado. But um, you know, he's nice. I've like haven't had. That much one-on-one time with him, Come but here with um, you know he's fun at dinner parties. Um, he's a cool guy. You know, I don't. Maybe we'll have to cut this out because I don't know if I'm allowed to share this. But I have a celebrity story okay. that is wild. That I don't work for this place anymore, so I feel okay. totally comfortable dropping this gossip. Yeah. But do you know the actress Kirstie Swanson? She was like the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer in the movie and stuff. She was like a oh, she was yeah. a Playboy playmate in the '90s. She's married to, like, a former Olympic ice skater, and their kid went to a summer camp that I worked at, and they, like, the kid, like, moved up, like, two grades higher than, like, his, like, age level, and got into, like, what is always getting in fights with other kids, and then parents weekend, uh, his parents come to, like, visit, and they see, like, him and another kid, like, shoving around or whatever, and they, like, confronted this kid at like an event and like the dad was like screaming in this other kid's face and I had to like separate the dad from him wow. he like had like rage in his eyes he's like how dare you touch my kid blah blah, blah. like swearing at him and I was like dude I was like they're literally just like 12 well, year old not they're 12 year old boys they're 12 year old boys at a summer camp like they're gonna like they had like a little disagreement and they had like a little shoving match like that shit happens but the dad like wanted to like beat this kid up and, like, confronted him at an event in front of a bunch of people. And I had to, like, go get, like, the leader of the camp to come, like, <laughs> take the, to come talk down the dad and, like, take him away. Like, I had to throw myself in front of this kid for him not to get punched by this dad. That's it was, crazy. It was wild. For such a, like, D-list. D-lister. Yeah. I D- will say D-list celebrity. Parents of children attending a summer camp are unlike any other people that I've dealt with in my life. Like, being a camp counselor, you have to also be, like, an expert at de-escalating 
fights and situations like that true, because like why is that so common i don't know i think they see the camp as a way to get the kid out of the house for you know at least <laughs> half a day and then they come back to you know pick the kid up and they're like i have to deal with this again and there's always problems yeah no they like, were clearly helicopter parents that think their baby is like too precious to be touched by the world you know like it's you have to deal with that with like any camp counselor job, but that's why I don't do that job anymore. Yeah, here's another sucks. majority is camp counselors. Yeah. Let's try. I've never been a camp counselor. You're missing out. <laughs> Audrey. <laughs> Definitely not, <laughs> in my opinion, at least. Audrey has to go in a second, but I think she should share her, her other celebrity story of, of your parents, Buddy, the... Oh, um, my parents were both models in New York City in the 1980s. So that's why they know all these random famous people. They know Fabio, and they also, most importantly and most impressive to Steven, is they're friends with Oates, John Oates. That's gotta be the cool, like one of the coolest people in the world you could know. Yeah, he's been to my house at various little get-togethers, but they said that they're not, they don't really talk to him anymore. But I asked, well, I was more interested in Fabio and my mom said that Fabio would still like recognize them and like chat chop them up. That now. is cool. Well, it's a, a shared trade. Your parents can't compete with Oats. Yeah. You know what I mean, they probably were still like impressed by Oats. Now, I, can you imagine talking to Oats? Noah Noah's shaking his head. You you have no starstruckness with with Oats or more? of the Holland Oats. I would I would say I enjoy Holland Oats a little Oates. bit, a little bit. Holland Oats more than Talking Heads. That's wow. Uh, wow. Now, okay, now you're just coming for me, wow. Steven. Prove me wrong. David Byrne is the fucking guy. Okay. That's, you're that's right. What. You're right. We'll have a Talking Heads. We'll, we'll dedicate a pod sometime to Talking Heads. Yeah. There's we'll a lot of pods that are getting dedicated, you know? Yeah. yeah. We're going to dedicate a pod to Holland Oats. Last <laughs> week, we dedicated a pod to Tenet, so we got to do that at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We won't go into it, but if you want to watch a good movie, watch Tenet. Underrated. Very If you're a Robert Pattinson stan... Tenet. He does yeah. look incredible in Tenet. He looks inc- everything about him in that movie is incredible, and it's it's a rare scene to see him being British, which I think is one of the reasons he's so smooth in that movie. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because like he usually he's has not, to play American. Yeah. Yeah. I always forget that he's British. Well, I always oh. forget Christian Bale's British because he always does weird voices for his roles. So I didn't Christian know Bale's Christian Bale's British. Yeah. Yeah. So when I you hear his natural I feel voice. lied to now. Yeah, British you... people are faking it anyways. He's though, not right? the American <laughs> psycho. Have He's you the se- British psycho. <laughs> Have you seen those memes of like, why do British people do this? And then it's like, <laughs> where are they leash? Oh, It is like the fish oh, with shoot. the two <laughs> galleries. Yeah, it's like a fish. Yeah. Those have been cracking me up. Online like, culture right now is like breeding like a, a, a like culture war. anti-British sentiment is, is on well, all time rise. It was, before it was the fish with teeth, it was the, the chav girls with the bad makeup oh and my the God. huge eyebrows. Well, at least that's like a real thing. Like, like British people... It's like the Cheeto girl of America, you know yeah. what I mean? But like American British ten- uh, tensions haven't been this high since eighteen twelve. <laughs> I think you know, <laughs> gonna get a new Star Spangled Banner jokes. out of this one. Some history jokes from the history. <laughs> Forget major. Russia and Ukraine. It's U.S. versus U.K. It's always been the U.S. versus the U.K. We pretend like we're friends. We're like, oh, World War Two. We're good now, but we all know deep down, there's still there's still beef there. The beef. The beef runs deep. <laughs> Um, the literal, the beef Wellington runs deep. No? no. 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 Bad. <laughs> you know what? We're leaving it in. We're going we're to add sound effects so that like everybody Boom. understands how Aiden Sauls, if you liked this joke, message me on Twitter. 
Uh, Audrey, I know you have to go, but any thoughts on Tokyo Vice? Because I know we want to talk about yeah. that. We just yeah, I can over. give my thoughts. Um, as someone who really enjoyed The Fault in Our Stars, Ansel Elgort will always have a special place in my heart. And I love him in this show. He does such a good job. That's okay, good. I just want you to know that every single person in this room just rolled their eyes when I said that <laughs> also. But I, I, I actually think Ansel Elgort's a decent actor. And on not Ansel Elgort, but just on the show in general, I think it's really cool to watch shows about journalism because as journalists, I'm like, yeah, edit it, editing. Like, we our stuff gets edited too. I'd I, say I that, know that feeling that he's feeling right now. I'd say <laughs> that our experience in the Daily Gamecock newsroom is literally identical yeah. to Ansel Elgort's experience in, in, the in Tokyo. Tokyo. Yeah. We have yeah. old Japanese businessmen yelling at us that we're... Yeah. The gang violence. Too much. <laughs> the the uh, board of trustees is basically the yakuza. Yeah, pretty so much. True. Just insolent. I take a picture and he, you know, forcibly takes my camera from me. You yeah, know? that's true. But yeah, I enjoy the show. I di- I've seen only the second and third episode and not the pilot. So Stephen did have to explain the entire thing to me, you know, as we went in the second episode. But you know, it's enjoyable still. I actually have only watched the pilot so far. I'm definitely going to catch up on episodes two and three this week before the new episodes drop. I can give my take. I have a lot of takes on this show. Go ahead. Go right I don't ahead. know. I'm conflicted. Sound off. Yeah, I'm sound off. I'm, I'm very conflicted. On one hand, I thoroughly enjoy the show, and I, I, I give it more higher than a passing grade. But I, I, I really, you know, at times when I'm watching it, I'm like, God, that's so silly. You know what I mean? And I think what it boils down to is is there's two things that make it unenjoyable. And uh, let me preface with that, I thoroughly enjoy the show, again. <laughs> but there's two things that take me out of the enjoyment, which are, it feels like, I don't know, it feels like if this was written in the 80s, this would have been so great. Like, if this was, what's that Al Pacino movie where he's like that, like, handsome devilish cop guy, like Jericho or something like that? Heat? No, no, no. <laughs> the Michael no. Mann movie? Serpico. Yeah, yeah Serpico, Serpico. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's, try, it's trying to go for something like that. And, like, it kind of does it, but I don't really like Ansel Elgort. And it's like, I don't know. I just, like, I feel like it could have been more authentic in other ways. Well, another Michael Mann movie, The Insider, have you seen that? That's where Al Pacino plays the journalist who, like, blows open the whole, like, cigarette scandal that 60 Minutes, like, uncovered. I need to watch that. It has... Yeah. Very much insider vibes. Maybe they should have just cast Al Pacino as... <laughs> as a 23-year-old journalist. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he still looks good. Just shave his beard. I actually have one more take before I have to go, if I can interrupt your take, Steve. Yes, please, go on. The tapes from his little sister that she's sending him See? and he's listening yes. to, yep. I have never heard such cheesy line writing than There are some cheesy her, lines in it. Her little Ansel parts. Elgort, if I was attracted to him, I could see that being like, he's pulling those lines off, but he has cheesy lines. Everyone who's white in the show has cheesy lines. I hate to say it. I hate yeah. to say it. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing about the TV show is that it like does the whole like 80s dr- drama, cheesy line stuff, but it doesn't play into it to the same level that like 80s movies do. Yeah. So it tries to have the like authenticity of more modern shows, but still has the cheesiness, and sometimes it just kind of doesn't click together it's my analysis if Ansel Elgort wasn't walking around with like a Walkman listening to the tapes that his sister's sending him like I would think it was modern day like I wouldn't I don't think I would understand that it was like supposed to be the 90s 90s. well I I will say that is a conflicting point because I do think probably one of the strongest parts of the show is 
the visual elements of it. Like it is a gorgeous like, show. It, yeah. it, the 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 colors, the like scene setups, the filming. That's probably the strongest part about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. The first. Ep- I don't know about the rest of the show. Bye, Audrey. She's leaving now. Bye. Thank you for coming. Bye, guys. It's been a pleasure. Celebrity Audrey. She'll be back on at some point, I'm sure. It's going to be my podcast in a couple weeks. What was I saying? Yeah, so the pilot is directed by Michael Mann, who, as I've said before on this podcast, I love. Um, I saw a tweet this week that said, nothing is more pure than your boyfriend's love for Michael Mann. But it's so, like, his worlds just feel, like, so real. Like, whenever he directs, like, it's, it keeps you, like, so close in on the person, even if it's not an action scene that you just kind of, like... Every character you encounter, like, feels very lived in. Like, you feel like they have, like, a whole life in that show. You know, like, it, it doesn't feel as boxed in, like, this is cinematic, this is what's happening. You know, you just kind of feel like you're watching people go about their job. Like, it's very process-oriented. That's a good way of describing his filmmaking is, like, it, he's just, like, really trying to get, like, the different technical levels of whatever his characters are accomplishing and showing you that and not over-explaining it. And I feel like the pilot did that perfectly, really put me in the world. So I'm hoping that, even though he's a producer on the rest, he's not a director, I'm hoping it keeps that same kind of feeling and tone. I don't I, know. I think it does. It does? Yeah. If anything, I think it gets it gets stronger. Like, I think you're, you're exactly right. Like, even though I don't like Ansel Elgort or I don't like his acting, and, like, it can feel very much like I'm a like macho white man, like... And he's, like, even though it's supposed to be, like, a corny 80s suit with, like, a wool tie and big collar, like, he pulls it off. You know what I mean? But, like, um, I, it, you know, it does, like, when he's doing, when he's actually, it's it's little things, like, like when he's typing on little flip-up keyboard or, like, you know, his room with the newspapers and, like, they're, like, I don't know. It, you're exactly right. Like, it really follows through on on the imagery of, like, a world and, like, being in that world. And the, the set designs, I think, are awesome. Oh, my gosh, Like, the yeah. feeling, like, you know, all the old, like, journalism movies have this. Yeah. But the, like, yeah, super busy, crowded journalism. newsroom for the newspaper yeah, where everything's going at once. And you have, like, the press running downstairs or something. Very, very cool. And especially with the typewriters. Yeah, and, and then, like, really God, like, maybe, like, if I don't think we have any actual professional journalists listening to this. But if you're listening. <laughs> we got a stipend. Yeah, I think. Okay, uh, you're right. <laughs> but if you're a professional journalist who is around and is still printing, you know, print copy, then uh, you will like the show because it's cool. Like, I've personally never seen someone lay out copy, mm-hmm. and they do it in the show. It's really interesting. And it's in it's in script, so it's, like, um, kind of a cool formatting. Yeah. yeah. Seeing how they type on the laptop with the Japanese yeah. characters is very interesting because yeah. I never thought about how yeah. keyboards would work for a language that doesn't use, like, the Latin alphabet. That's yeah, very interesting. Exactly. I, 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 I always feel- see that when... Um, I went to a school, a high school with a lot of like Chinese population. Like whenever they're like typing on their like iPhone keyboard with like Chinese characters, yeah. I was like, I don't even know how my brain would process that. You know, like yeah. I feel like there's so many characters. Like how do you even fit all of them? Yeah, I, I I definitely think that's a strong suit of of the show. Is like exactly what you're saying. Is it's like it just feels like you're there, kind of using it. But also a weakness of the show because no way in hell that dude is like like a perfectly like perfect speaking perfect writing yeah like yeah local after like being there i think it says three years i guess he's just supposed to be super smart but uh, like, it is based on a true story it's a memoir that the guy wrote so like maybe it's a little bit embellished oh, but well, maybe uh, that, but, like you're... actually must be wrong so but, like he was there doing all that stuff yeah. so i didn't realize it was based on a true story that's yeah. cool though i i still do not believe memoir or not 
that this guy was like a month into a crime beat job, his first reporting job, and he's like breaking open the Yakuza stories. Yeah, I don't no, buy that's it. That's definitely I don't buy it. that's TV embellishment for sure. Um, have you guys seen All the President's Men? Yes, Cla- classic or, movie. excellent movie. I what, have Woodward and Bernstein tattooed <laughs> on my chest. Actually, <laughs> what you were talking about, Ian, with like the feeling of like being a journalist or like being there, those old newsrooms are just like these huge open rooms kind of like in zodiac too it's just people just picking up the phone and like calling yeah, zodiac like, does it really well too I, i've always been like i don't know how i would ever be able to work somewhere like that just like have a desk in the middle of an open room and just being able to hear everyone else's phone calls like all the time and just having that like environment like it, it seems so kind of overwhelming and isolating but also like communal at the same time i don't know it's a weird feeling and the show captures that really well just like I feel like all the president's men does. I mean, that's obviously the most yeah. incredible yeah. example of that, but I, similar. I, I think from a like a filming perspective, like just the physical act of like moving the camera around in a space, that sort of wide room with desks has such a unique sort of action to the camera. Yeah. And, and I think the show does, like when he's walking down the hall, like the camera doesn't really move, but he and the action of the scene is moving so much. It doesn't have to do with uh, journalism, but a movie that does that really well is The Apartment, Billy Wilder's movie, one best picture in the 50s or 60s, um, I think 1960. And, uh, like, his whole Baxter's, like, office in that movie is huge like that. And the way they use, like, where he is in the office as, like, a way of kind of telling character through action is really interesting. Um, And I think the show is tapping into that a little bit. Yeah. No, um, Ian and I watch uh, (laughs) Mad Men, it's kind of a, a deep cut to the early 2000s, maybe. But they do that kind of in a cool way, too, because it's kind of all just shot in, like, his office. Yeah, it's, it's you know, the I mean, it's either in the office or some hotel room. I was having an affair. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much the only the only scenes. But, yeah, that's a, that's a great show. Yeah. Excellent show. Yeah, that, that, that has, there's something, some very uh, attractive and, like, Very lost. attractive about Don Draper. Yes, Don Draper is very yeah. attractive. Uh, there's just something very, like, I mean, obviously I've never been professionally hired, so maybe that will have this someday, but just the, like, I don't know, I feel like the, like, office space of, like, Mad Men and, you know, all the President's Men is, is a very appealing part of the movie in a weird way. Yeah. Another appealing movie that we want to talk about, uh, really quick, because it's content related, is, we mentioned it earlier, Ambulance. It, yeah. Um, it has an office space. Yeah. There's office and ambulance. <laughs> I guess technically the ambulance is their office. Um, but new movie by Michael Bay. I'm just going to share my thoughts on it real quick because Stephen and Ian haven't seen it. But, I have thoughts on it. Don't worry. But uh, you have thoughts on a movie you haven't seen. Yeah. Like Morbius, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Although that's a little bit different because we were just shitting on Jared Leto for an hour last week. <laughs> um, but another Michael. It's a Michael Bay film. And I just want to say, guys, that Michael Bay is back. He's no longer in Transformer land. And this movie is incredible. It's, like, straight out of the 90s. You know, like, Speed and those types of movies where it's just, like, very simple premise. Just go, go, go. The whole movie is, like, nonstop action pretty much. And Ambulance is, like, 10 minutes to set up. Then Jake Gyllenhaal robs a bank. And then they're driving around in an ambulance, smashing up police cars, knocking over fruit stands for, like, the rest of the two hours in the movie. Did you say knocking over fruit stands? I'm in. Yeah, yeah. They just, like, they literally can... If there's, like, an object in the road, it's, like, they go out of their way to drive into it and make it explode. 
Like, this is the strongest ambulance you've ever seen. Never runs out of gas throughout the whole movie. There's, like, the Mexican cartel, or no, not the Mexican, the L.A. cartel gets involved at one point. Like, it's just, they do a wild, they're going, like, 100 miles an hour on the highway. They basically take a uh, cop and a nurse hostage in the ambulance as, like, leverage, but the cop is shot and has a wound, and if the cop dies, then the police will probably just, like, blow them up because they'll have no reason, like, to try to negotiate so they have the nurse to try to keep the cop alive and he's shot in his spleen and they do a spleen surgery and i've met like the way they do the gore and like the actual surgery process is really fucking good like you think like a michael bay movie would just like kind of cut around that stuff because he's always like fast cutting so you'll they'll never actually show it to you but they do and it looks incredible like it actually got me to like there's a moment where I went like, <gasps> like in the theater, like I was ooh, like that. You know, it has those moments. Wow, it's incredible. Okay. I'm gonna watch it just for the spleen shot. Yeah. So. No, so, literally, it it's actually it's not nearly scene. enough spleen action in yeah, movies. These yeah, days. movies need yeah. to get back to their roots and yeah. embrace the spleen. Have Have any of you guys ever actually seen a fruit stand explode? Can't no, but I have a, a lot in Michael Bay movies. Yeah. I feel like it's his favorite thing is to drive a truck through a fruit stand. It's always like a, a brightly colored fruit, too. Like, it's never like a potato. Yeah, it's, it's got to be the, the most gorgeous you know, like thing limes ever. Limes and yeah. pineapples. A lot of fruit stands in modern era. <laughs> yeah. I love how on, on the poster it's like Ambu L.A. like highlighted ends. Wow. Yeah, because it takes oh, that's good marketing. Yeah. They, like, recreate, like, the, the T2, like, uh, water basin, like, chase kind of. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal's so good in it. He's basically, he's a super one-note character, but basically in the whole movie you'd think he's on cocaine because of how over-the-top he is, and it's just so much fun to watch. I've just kind of realized now that, like, you can hate on Michael Bay movies. I know I don't like the Transformers movies. I don't really like Armageddon, but, like... I like the Transformers movies, just for the record. But I like Shia LaBeouf. I like the first one. But yeah, like, the first one is objectively good. Yeah. But, like, he just... Nobody else can, like, shoot action like Michael Bay can. Because, like, any shot in a Michael Bay film would be the most beautiful-looking shot in any other film. It's just the fact that it's all put together so quickly and so ridiculously that, like, that's why it comes off as weird. So he's, like, an incredible filmmaker just with, like the taste of like a 12 year old you know like that's yeah. that's the best way to describe him and like he just kind of he just does it and you just kind of have to go along for the ride so i've i've grown up i tweeted the other day that um growing up is realizing michael bay is a good director that doesn't mean his films are good or that all of his films are good but he is a good director he knows how to use the camera like if you wa- if you that. if he wanted to make a straight down the middle like drama or whatever i'm sure he could he just doesn't want to because he's like a fucking lunatic. But that's okay. That's why I love him. What was the last movie that he made? I'm, I'm pulling it up now. It's um, called Ambulance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Six Underground. Oh, that Netflix God, movie. That movie sucked. Yeah, it did. That movie was so bad. I, I literally remember watching that movie and being like, I can't. The action was good in it, though. And, and visually, it wasn't a bad movie. I just remember watching that movie and be like, did they literally have, like, a bad AI write this? Like, an AI yeah. probably honestly could have done a better job of writing yeah. the plot of this story. It's like, he doesn't write the movies, but he just chooses scripts that, like, are so bad because, like, you kind of think he wants to. It's like, you know he, like, looks at a script and he goes, this is cheesy as hell. I'm all in, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. the man made, like, Pearl Harbor. It's like, the problem with that movie is, like, 
so long and just like it doesn't feel like a Michael Bay movie, but it has Michael Bay action scenes in it. So it's just like it doesn't fit at all. But like Ambulance is just so pure, like everything feels like it belongs there. Like it all feels part of the same movie in a way that like the Transformers movies can kind of feel disjointed. So it's like crazy, but whole, if that makes sense. Okay, that's good. Yeah. I have to have a whole movie. Like Six Underground felt like unfulfilled. Yeah. Did not feel whole. Do you like Armageddon? It's okay. I think the first half is really good when they're like bringing the team together and Bruce Willis is like making speeches about like, these astronauts, they don't know jack about drilling. Like that stuff is hilarious. And then they get into space and then it's just like dark CGI explosions for a while. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's not as fun because it's just not like colorful and like out in the open and stuff like his best movies are. Have you seen Ambulance? I can't say I have. Mm. I can't say I have. Well, go see it this weekend. Uh, I mean, have you seen Armageddon? Can't say I have. Mm. You know, for for the number one fan of the Squawk, I'm woefully, woefully unprepared to talk about yeah. movies. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone, uh, here's another mailbag tip: send in movies to have Ian Grenier watch. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, will add them to the I bottom am. of my list. Yeah. <laughs> Which is entirely movies that Steven has recommended. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about a movie that you have seen, though, because yeah. we saw it, all three of us together last Friday. Absolutely. Uh, and that is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which we promised last week we would talk about this week. And I actually, I have thoughts on it, but I don't have as many thoughts that, I I don't have as many thoughts as I thought I would. Yeah. I'll, I'll lead off the conversation here because I, I would consider myself one of the Daniels' biggest fans in the world. Um, I watched the Bouncy Ball movie. Oh my gosh, I, yeah. Uh, I certainly have thoughts about that. All right, if you want, here's a deep cut. Interesting Ball is on YouTube. It's a short film by the Daniels, the same people who... It's not short yeah. enough, if I just say myself. Yeah, I, I forced Ian at, at gunpoint yeah, to watch it on the way. watching it under duress, so maybe that was part of my experience, you know? I think it's Steven a Steven said, I'll turn film. into the oncoming traffic <laughs> yeah. if you don't finish this short. Yeah, it's 12 minutes long. I feel like that's pretty short for a short film. Yeah, that's not bad. That's about what my short film's going to be. I think it builds beautifully, and I think it's a work of art, and I think you should watch Interesting Ball by the Daniels. Ian hated it, but... I didn't hate it. It was it was an experience. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. The first time you watch it, it's a little... I don't know. That's what I like about it. It's just how, like, un, how surprising and, like, what the fuck did I just watch, basically. Yeah. But that's kind of everything, the Daniels. I would consider The Swiss Army Man one of my favorite movies of all time. Ian, did you watch Swiss Army Man yet? I've never seen Swiss Army Man, but I, I will say that I could definitely see the connections between Interesting Ball and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah. I just thought everything, it's called everything from now on, yeah. um, What uh, uh, played into the strengths of you know, what Interesting Ball was trying to do, but executed it a lot better. I would agree with that. Made it a, a much fuller fuller film. The Daniels definitely have a very distinct mm-hmm. vision, and, and there's something about sort of their slapstick action. They're like the opposite of Michael Bay. They have, like, the most sort of, like, obscure, like, niche random action to their, you know, movies. Yeah, and they, they're more about, like, setting the camera down, showing it all in frame, yeah. like, just kind of letting it play out, whereas Michael Bay is like, I'm going to shoot this from a thousand different angles and make it, <laughs> yeah. make it feel like yeah. somebody just, like, combed your hair when you <laughs> when you watch it because like, of the whiplash, you yeah. know? Um, so it's definitely a very different type of film. Um, I really enjoyed the characters, actually. I th- it was surprisingly emotional. I thought that was actually yeah. the strongest yeah. part of the movie. Like, the action is... But that's like, the beauty of the Daniels is this, it's it's exactly, well, I'll let you finish your thought, but it's exactly what, like, the, the surprisingness of it that is so yeah. powerful. 
I wasn't as surprised by it as I kind of wanted to be. Like, it didn't blow my mind. Like, a lot of, like, it has the number one all-time highest score on Letterboxd right now, which is, like, a little ridiculous. It's like a 4.6 out of 5 average. And I'm like, all right, people, settle down. But I thought, um, it, was, I thought it was excellent. Yeah, I, I would yeah. agree with, I would say. I'd give it a like, 4.5, yeah. I would say, like, 4.8 out yeah. of 5. I would give it a 4 out of 5. 4 out of 5. For for those wondering, Noah's four out of five is basically the average man's five out of five. That's not true. <laughs> I'm not that stingy with my reviews. Dude, Max, our friend Max, who writes for Daily Gamecock. Um, Shout out, Max. Yeah, yeah, assistant news editor. He only has ever given two movies a five star. What are the two movies? There Don't say be, Power of the Dog. There Will Be Blood and uh, Mangrove, which is like a... It was made by Steve McQueen. Oh, um, yeah. It was on Amazon. It was like part of that whole like small acts like anthology. Yeah, yeah. Those are his only two five stars ever. That is and such a seen bizarre like choice. Movies. Yeah, I know. Only Noah is someone who would say like, I talk about people in like literal count number of what, how many movies they've seen. He's it's, a six hundred. He's you know he's <laughs> yeah. only a seven hundred. He's a 600 type of guy. I just did 1,000 last week. Yeah, so. congratulations, everyone. Thank Moment you, of applause you, for you. Noah's I watched, 10 millionth movie. For my 1,000th movie, I did not watch Burning. I'm sorry, Stephen. Oh, um, my gosh. What was the 10,000th movie? Elmo. Cars 2, I hope. <laughs> it was not Cars 2. It was The Color Purple, which is a Spielberg movie. Yeah, um, that's a good 1,000th movie. Uh, my, it's one of my dad's favorite movies, so that's why I watched it. It's very depressing. And... Uh, I, I thought it was kind of mid, honestly. I, I, I was not. Well, I was not as impressed as I wanted it to be. It was like Spielberg. Like it felt like he was half-assing that. I don't know. Yeah, it's not really Spielberg's type of movie. Exactly. Like it's not he, enough like little mini aliens in it or something. <laughs> well, he's really good at like infusing drama into like higher like genre like stories with like a lot of inherent narrative momentum. But like he's not great at creating that tension out of drama that's like so it just ended up kind of feeling like a play you know it didn't feel very cinematic it does have a i mean i don't know which came first but there's a very famous play that came from the book it's book first yeah book first i think it was book movie musical i think that was the order i could be wrong the musical maybe came before the movie but i honestly think i would be interested in seeing a musical version of it. it's really award-winning i want to see the musical really bad yeah yeah there was a recent showing of it at a theater in columbia like th- um, a performance? I think I read something that they're maybe going to adapt the musical into a movie musical, and it's going to be, like, a black filmmaker at this time, um, which I think will definitely also Yeah, that'll definitely it. be good. So, I would watch it in musical format in a second. Have you have you read that book? or I haven't. You should have watched Armageddon again for your thousandth, thousandth movie. Well, that would st- I'd still be at 999 then, because a rewatch doesn't oh, count right. as a new one. What did you think of Swiss Army Man? Uh, I really, I was not totally invested in their. Well, you just needed to drink a coffee or something. Dy- I don't understand how you could not be invested in that. In their in their dynamic, like They're best buddies. What do you mean? And at the end, I liked the last like ten minutes. It was very like disorienting and like weird and like everybody realizing what was happening. Like that was like really like the last ten minutes was really fun. But up until then, I was just kind of like eh. This guy's just kind of weird. Like it's it's funny, but I wasn't I wasn't that moved by. You it. haven't lived until Noah has said eh to your favorite movie of all time. <laughs> Honestly, I'm sorry. It's kind of true. It, I think it is phenomenal. I think what's amazing about the movie is the music. 
of it. The music actually. is great. I it love is a standout. Daniel Radcliffe is a incredible actor. I think I genuinely think like he is he is an actor that could be so like sort of uh, groundbreaking if he did more stuff. I mean, I haven't seen any of his theater performances, but every movie and show I've seen of him, you disagree, Noah? He's in this really no, obscure. No, he's good. He's in this really obscure um, series called Harry Potter. You probably haven't heard of that. What is that? Um, no, Harry, <laughs> Harry, what? I mean, I think it's a British thing, and tensions are high right well, now. Yeah, so, like, we yeah, probably shouldn't touch on that. I don't yeah. think they would show yeah. it in the U.S. When they make an yeah. American version, we can. Uh, yeah. Watch yeah. It. Uh, while we're on the subject of niche Daniel Radcliffe shows, there's a BBC show called With Our Beloved John Hamm. Um, it is called I I can't remember what it's called, but he plays um, a doctor. It's, I think it's called the Young Doctor, uh, or something like that. Um, and it's like set during like the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia, and it's like basically the plot is like I mean obviously I'm not I didn't live in that time period in Russia, but I guess doctors at that time were kind of like it's like you would get your degree and you would move to wherever you could like market your you know help. Um, and, uh, so he, he's, like, supposed to be, like, a young rookie doctor who moves out to this, like, really, like, far away place, and he's, like, supposed to be, like, a city boy doctor, and, like, it's, it is such an incredible show, like, the, the whole show is, is paralleled between, like, the opening shot is John Hamm, right, who is the same character as Daniel Radcliffe, and he's, like, old, like, drunk doctor now, John Hamm, and it's, like, the Nazis are... Like searching his office. Bro, or isn't something. John Hamm like a foot taller than Daniel Radcliffe? Yes, <laughs> yes, but it still works. Movie magic, movie yeah, magic. Yeah, movie magic. Did they just stick him up on an apple crate like <laughs> top, Tom Cruise and Top Gun? Yeah. No, he, he's, he just grows a foot in his in yeah, 30 okay. years difference. But, um, so the whole show That's is what like, happens when communism yeah, comes yeah. You know, we all grow a foot. Yeah, My yeah. classic 30 year old growth spurt. Can't wait for it. It's it's not called The Young Doctor. Um, let me just... Have you ever seen the movie Reds? I have, yeah. Reds is like the best Bolshevik revolution piece of media ever with Warren Beatty and Diane Keaton. Yeah. That movie's incredible. It, very underrated. It got nominated for a bunch of Oscars in the 80s, but I don't feel like I really hear anybody ever talk about it as like an all-time great. But it's basically a three-and-a-half-hour movie directed by Warren Beatty about communists. Pretty cool. It's called A Young Doctor's Notebook. It is, I, I genuinely think it's probably one of the most underrated shows I've ever seen because it's, it's really small and it got canceled after like the second season. But if you want to watch it, it's, it's a period piece that's like kind of comedic. I don't know. It's so good. Um, real quick, just to wrap up. Uh, our thoughts on everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, yeah. You're going to share everybody's thoughts on everything. Yeah, I'm going to show you a beautiful, awesome film. Um, I was touched by it. In, in ways I did not expect it my biggest takeaway is are, are, are two things it's the I, I don't know how to describe this but it's it's kind of common in like the show the Dan Harmon show community it's like a self-awareness about film to where you're replicating other sort of references in a really authentic way. You know, that's what Ambulance is like when Michael Bay references, like, five of his own films. Right, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Like, the Ambulance verse. But I I think that's a strong point of the movie is how sort of self-aware it is. And I think that Daniel's... This is what I was was hinting at earlier. It's the U-curve of comedy. It's the U-curve of, like, ironic authenticity. It's so, like, weird and bizarre that it becomes, like, so, like, heartfelt and relatable. 
Yeah, I, I think you can really contrast everything everywhere all at once to like a lot of the Marvel movies that have been coming out, and not yeah. to. I to, know to I'm Harry walking Potter into. Too. I know I'm walking into Noah's wheelhouse here, talking about Marvel. Yeah, but, shit on Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like I think. I mean, you can almost look at the main character, whose name I have completely forgotten. Michelle Yeoh. Uh, yes, exactly. As almost superhero, right? Yeah. You know, who, you know, gets little earbuds in, discovers right. power, whatever. But, like, the way that it manages to do the thing that Marvel movies do, where it's, you know, a super tense scene and they, you know, make a wisecrack or whatever. Right. And which, you know, I don't I don't have strong feelings at all about Marvel. But in, in everything, everywhere, all at once, it just manages to seamlessly work in the goofiness and the, you know, really genuine yeah. comedy with an incredibly serious and incredibly emotional, you know, payoff at the end, and even oh, yeah. throughout the movie, which mo- most movies aren't able to do that. That's like the and perfect the Daniels, way to it. The Daniels really nailed it. I yeah. mean, I've never felt emotional at a lesbian dance where all the characters have hot dogs as fingers before. Right. But <laughs> somehow, right. somehow that made me feel something. Or you know? people uh, getting sucked in, into an everything bagel. Yeah. yeah. That is oh a my god, that's such a good dimension. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I saw this. I saw this. I can't take credit for this idea, and I don't know if y'all seen it. I saw it on some discussion board, but the how the main character puts the googly eyes on everywhere, and the googly eyes are the inverse of the bagel. Oh. Right? Yeah. yeah, that makes wow. sense. Wow. Right, because wow. the bagel's white yeah. on the inside. And yeah. It's black on the outside. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, that's very. Uh, Astute. Yeah, I didn't make it. I didn't make it. I googled it. You know, I kind of wish I had watched the movie like not being a a big Daniels fan because I feel like it's so much more powerful to just go in. Yeah, I had no idea what to expect. I'm gonna be honest. I thought I saw the just the trailer and I saw the IRS agent. And she was like, I think there's a big story here. And I thought this was a journalism movie. <laughs> Honestly, I walked into this expecting journalism. Um, it's not what I expected at all, but it was excellent. I'm seeing it again on Friday. So very oh, excited wow. to to see what I get out of the second watch. Yeah, totally so, worth seeing twice. Yeah, I definitely think I should see it twice at some point. Um, just just to kind of like, you know, process everything. Because it, yeah. it is very overwhelming. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I consider myself pretty film literate, but like... I, I definitely a lot of it went over my head I yeah. think so I need definitely. to see it again yeah the structure of the movie definitely lends itself to sort of like you're like what what just happened yeah, yeah. and the rock scene incredible oh, beautiful the rock incredible. scene was my favorite scene so good easily it was so fun. I think so I, funny and heartwarming at the same time like you were saying about the Marvel thing the problem with their comedy is not that there's too much comedy in their films because like I hate when people are like oh all superhero movies need to be like dark and serious it's like no like it's still okay to have a Marvel movie like where you have like a lot of jokes but they can't. You can't use the jokes as a way of undercutting the tension in the drama. Mm-hmm. Where like everything, everywhere, all at once is able to have the drama and have the comedy and have them complement each other and not like hurt each other, which I feel like a lot of blockbusters do. So I think that's really a strength of the movie. Anything else you guys want to touch on really quick before we go? Uh, I don't think so. Go watch *Swiss Army Man*. That's a beautiful film. That'll yes. make you cry. Paul Dano, Daniel Radcliffe, the Daniels. As always, you can check out all the content that we covered on uh, dailygamecock.com. Uh, Arts and Culture will have uh, those pieces up on the, uh, the the drag show, and my review of Ambulance, all that stuff will be up by Friday. Board of uh, Trustees coverage. When you're hearing mm-hmm. this, Board of Trustees coverage will be up there. Go check out Opinion. They always have great content uh, for us. You guys have really been killing it uh, this semester. So 
Uh, thank you so much, Ian, for coming on the podcast. Hope Thanks so much for fun. having me. Thanks for thank being you. our biggest fan. Yeah, it's been the honor of a lifetime, really. I've been <laughs> He's I've, crying right now. All week, all week, I've been preparing, like, squawk, squawk, <laughs> what am I going to squawk about? And, you know, it, it lived up to every expectation. So That's well, what we're flattered. That should be, like, our tagline. What are we going to squawk about? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's good. No, that I, better get yeah. Gave, yeah. I better Audrey get credit. Audrey gave credits. us the name. You gave us the tagline. Yeah. Wow, see, this is really an opinion production. Yeah. Yeah. So follow us on our socials, Twitter uh, and Instagram, at the squawk underscore. Uh, this podcast is hosted by Noah Trainer and Stephen Pastis, edited and produced by Noah Trainer, creator Michael Sauls, music and logo.